Alpav Hashem, we are learning Bavakama Daf Mem. We left off on Daf Mem, Amidalaf, 11 lines from the top of the Amid, Tanur As we learned in the previous sugya, when you have Yisoyimim Kitanim that have oxen, Beisdin appoints a guardian, an apotropis, to watch over their animals. And if the animal does damage, even though when the animal is a tam, the shita of our Mishnah and of Sumchas is, is that no chatsi nezik migufei will be paid. Nevertheless, if the animal under the guardianship of the apitropis, not only gores a few times, one, two, three times, but it gored a fourth time, it becomes a muad. Here, money has to be paid. And we learned the Machlekes HaMeroim. On Daf Lametes, we had the sheet of Rabbi Yechanan, that the Gemara concluded he was the one that said that it's, it's, it's collected. Ma'aliyas Yisoyimin. In other words, as the Gemara explained, no Apitrupus would be willing to undertake the responsibility of guarding the possessions of an orphan if they will be held responsible if the animal does damage. And parenthetically, as we mentioned, at least in short in the last year, that obviously if the Apitrupus is mamish or Peshea, if he's fully negligent, then he should be responsible to pay. But he would not accept to be an Apitrupus in the cases where he wasn't that negligent, and therefore, Rabbi Yechanan holds that the Yisoyimim have to pay. Now, even the other opinion, Rabbi Yisib, Rabbi Hanina, that holds that it's paid, ma'aliyas apitrupasin, but as the Gemara explained, on daflametes amit beis, he holds so, why wouldn't the apitrupasin refrain or refuse from becoming the leader guardians of Yisoyimim? Because even though they need to pay when the muad nezek happened, when the Yisoyimim will become gedoylem, they can recollect it from the Yisoyimim. So let's start learning now. However, says this kaifer. if the animal under the guardianship of the Apitrupus killed as a muad, killed for the fourth time a person, normally the din is that the gamba all of yumas, but the im koifer yushas alav and asan pidyanafshi. As we learned many times, when an animal kills bikeden as a muad, the owner pays koifer money. Over here, the yisoyimim don't have to pay anything. And why is that? End of b'raisa, as the Gemara takes as a given, because koifer money is not considered compensation, but this b'raisa evidently holds that koifer money is considered atonement money. Being that the act of goring happened when they were minors, minors don't have to get an atonement. They're not bar chayuva for them to need an atonement. And now says the Gemara, if that's the case, man tana kufra kapara. Who is the author of our b'raisa that, as we explained, must hold that koifer money is not considered payment money. It's not considered compensation money. It's considered atonement money. And that explains why the b'raisa says that the ein mishalman koifer. Because v'yasmi lav b'nei kaparaninu, who is that tano? So Amar Rav Chizda suggests Rav Chizda that the author of this b'raisa can only be Rabbi Yishmael b'noi shel Rabbi Yechina membroike. The Tanya, as we learned, quoting the Pasik in Parshas Mishpatim regarding a muad animal killing for the fourth time. Now, by the way, the animal who kills for the first time should already be killed. However, if the animal got away from Beisden, and if it actually ended up, God forbid, killing 
not only as a tam, but now as a muad. So now the Torah says, V'nosan pidyoi nafshi, nafshoi, that he has to pay a redemption, a pidyon for his soul. So the Tanakhama says, how much money is paid? The Meinizak. We quoted this Machlekes many times. The Meinizak means you have to pay the value of the person who got killed. The value of the body of the damaged party. If it was a younger person, how much was that person worth in a slave market? If it was an older person, it goes according to the value of the damaged party. Of the killed party. Rabbi No. That the Pidyanafshi is the main mazik, it's the value of the mazik himself. So understands, suggests, Rabchizda, Ma'ila, Bahakum Nifliki, is this not the Machlik? Is that the Rabbanon, who are the ones that say the main Nizak, why do they say so? Because Savri, they hold Kufra Memoino. That Kaifir money is considered compensation. And whenever you have compensation, you're compensating for that which was damaged, in this case, killed. Obviously, the main Nizak. However, Rabbi Shmuel ben Oishel, Rabbi Yechonon Breika holds Kufra Kapara, which is why he says the main Mazik. And therefore says Rabbi that the author of the Braisa that we started out today's class has to be exclusively Rabbi Shmuel ben Oishel, Rabbi Yechonon Breika. So Amar Rav Papa says, Rav Papa Loi, no, that the Kula Alma Kufra Kapara. And therefore the Braisa that we started today with, the Tan Rabbanon, goes according to everyone. And even though everyone holds Kufra Kapara, so the sheet of Rabbi Yechanan, of Rabbi Shmuel ben Oishel, Rabbi Yechanan, makes sense. If it's Kapara, is the person who needs the Kapara has to pay his value. However, why will the Chachamim hold that it's the main Nizak? So he explains, And Rabbi Shmuel holds, that be the mazik shaminan. Rabbi Shmuel ben Yishev says be the mazik shaminan. And my tamad the rabbanon. And what will be the logic of the rabbanon? As we explain, the shita of Rabbi Shmuel ben doesn't need explanation. So the rabbanon will hold that nemar shisa lamata in this parsham, which is in mishpatim and peirik chafal of pasuk lamed, as we mentioned. The Torah says that really that if the ox killed, then the owner has to be put to death. But then it says, V'im koifar, yushas, olav, that if koifar will be imposed on him, v'nasan pidyanavshi. The word that the Torah uses is yushas, shisa, something that's being imposed on. Then Amran it says, shisa lamayla, on the same Peter Chafalev, but on Pasuk Chavbeis, when the Pasuk is speaking about v'chiyin natsu anashim, v'nagafuh, that if two men are fighting and one person accidentally injures a, a woman who's pregnant and it causes her, God forbid, to abort her fetus, so the Torah says that Kasher Yoshis Olav Baal Ha'isha, the Nasan Deflilim, that the amount of money that's going to be imposed on the person who caused her to abort. And again, the Torah uses the words Yushas. Kashir Yashis. So the root is Shisa. Malahalan, by the case of the abortion, what money does the Mazik have to pay? The money of the fetus, the Demain Nizak. So therefore, because of this Gzeir Shava, even though it's Kapara, but because of the Gzeir Shava, Afkan with the Nizak. Now, why does Rabbi Shmuel respond to that? Why doesn't he learn this Gzeir Shava? Rabbi Shmuel, Benoi, Shal Rabbi Echel, hold. How can you learn this Gzeir Shava? When in this parsha itself of Koifer, the Torah says the words, V'nosan pidyoi nafshoi. 
his soul, redemption for his soul, his meaning, the mazik, gewaldig. Now, but Abonan, in, yes, pidyo in nafshi, the redemption is for his soul. However, miu kishai minon, but when you evaluate how much redemption money has to be given, still, because of the gzayda shava, bidinizak shaminon. Bottom line is, according to Rav Papa, the Tanar Abana that we started out today with goes not only according to Rabbi Shmuel, it even goes according to the Chachamim. Continues the Gemara. Mishabach lay Rava Rav Nachman. Rava was praising to Rav Nachman bid Rav Achabar Yaakov. Regarding the greatness of Rav Achar Bar Yaakov, Rav was telling Rav Nachman that Rav Achar Bar Yaakov, the Adam Gadol who is a great man. Good, so Rav Nachman wanted to meet him. So Amar Lehi, so Rav Nachman tells Rav that next time Rav Achar Bar Yaakov will come to you, bring him to me. Rav Achar went to visit Rav, and Rav brought him to Rav Nachman. So says the Gemara, when Rav Achar came to Rav Nachman, Amar Lei, Rav Nachman wanted to feel him out. So Rav Nachman asked Rav Acha, milsa, ask me something. And Rav Nachman got, so to say, more than he bargained for. Because the question that he asked him was a gewaldike question. So boy, Yiminei, so Rav Acha, Bar Yaakov asks Rav Nachman, Shoir shall shnei shutafim, that if an ox belongs to two partners, Ketzad Mishalman Kaifer, how was Kaifer paid? Let's read Rashi inside. Rashi is a couple of lines higher than the Gemara on the side of the Bach. Ketzad Mishalman Kaifer, Zakt Rashi, the Bishleiman is Zakin, whenever it comes to the payment of damages. And if the damager belongs to partners, there's no question. Each partner pays half. Because the Ahazeka, the Nizak Kapid Rachmana. Because what counts is for the damaged party to be compensated for that which she or she lost. However, the high end when when each one of the partners pays half of the Nezek, the goal is accomplished. That Bahai Matalay Nezek Sholim, the damaged party will end up getting all of the damage. However, Avul Kufra but when it comes to the concept of having to pay atonement money and the tarvayu kapara both of them need to get atoned. And there's a rule, which is very important to remember, that if something is being done for atonement, there's no such a thing as a half atonement. So says Rashi, Payment is not that way. If I owe a person $100 and I paid him 50 I paid 50 he received 50 half of payment was made. When it comes to atonement, we don't say such a thing, that at least I received half of my atonement. Either you are atoned, or you're not atoned. We'll learn this a lot more in Masech Tamakis. But coming back over here, says, asked Rav Achot Rav Nachman back in the Gemara, do we say, Mishalom Hai Koifer, Fahai Koifer, each one has to pay their atonement. Each one needs to get atoned. So therefore, each one has to pay all of the money of atonement. This isn't regardless whether it's the Meimazik, whether it's the Meinizik. And that can be, why can't it be that each one pays a full Kaifer? So he asked, because Kaifer Echad Amarachmana. Taita says that Kaifer Yushas Olaf, Kaifer Lashen Yachid, Veloishnei Kaifarin. So what will be the other alternative? Asked Rabacha, Hai Chatsi Kaifer, Hai Chatsi Kaifer. That also doesn't make sense. Why wouldn't that work? Because Kaifer Shalim Amarachmana, Veloi Chatsi Kaifer. Hashem needs for each one to get a full atonement, not to get part of an atonement. That was the question. Now this is a great question. 
Now Rav Nachman didn't respond right away. So says the Gemara that Adi Yosef Ayinba, as Rav Nachman was looking into, thinking into the answer for this question, is Omar Leir, Rav Acha asked Rav Nachman another question. And that question was based on the following Mishnah. The Mishnah teaches us, says the Gemara Tanan, that Chayovei Arochen, that if a person made the unique Erech vow, what's an Erech vow? A person can always donate money to the Beis HaMikdash. A person can donate it either by donating a, a, a number, you know, a person makes a, a vow to give X amount of money, but then there is a unique type of vow in which a person says that I am giving to Hashem my Erech. And he uses the word Erech. Erech means my value. Or a person can say, I'm promising to give to Hashem the other, the other person's Erech. What is the Erech? So there's a whole portion in the Torah that tells us that regardless the market value of an individual, the Torah per gender and per age gives all men from this age to that age have the same Erech value. So you have to see whose Erech did the person vow, and that is the Erech that is owed to the Beis HaMikdash. So says the Mishnah, that when a person made that vow, and is chayif to give the Erech money, the temple treasurers have the right to take collateral from the person who owes the Erech, and to hold on to it, to, to sort of say secure, that he will indeed pay. Why will they have to take a mashkin? Because whenever a person has a monetary obligation, which doesn't have any type of atonement involved in it, then there's always a fear that people might not fulfill a monetary obligation. So how do they guarantee it? By taking a mashkin. However, says the Mishnah, or if a person needs to bring a carbon chatas or a carbon asham, being that they are brought to bring the person atonement, Bezdin or the Gizbin, the temple treasurers can rest secured that people are eager for their atonement. So there's no need to take a mashkin, and therefore they're not allowed to take a mashkin. Aim a mashkin and oisai. End of mission. So now asked again Ravacha, Bar Yaakov to Rav Nachman, if someone owes Kaifer money, my, what will be the din v'negeya? Can a mashkin be taken from him or not? Do we say even the kapara who, since it's in the category of kapara, as Rav Papa explained, according to everyone, therefore kechatas va'ashem damei, it's like a chatas and ashem that what explained Ravacha that michmar chomir ilavi that people take it seriously, and therefore v'loy boyu mashkune. There's no need to take a mashkin, and therefore you should not take a mashkin. Or maybe, since this money is owed to the damaged party, whether it's the Mazik or the Nizik, this kapara money is paid to the damaged party. Now the damaged party got died, so to the heirs of the damaged party. If it's being paid to a private person, so it's like Mamainahu, even if it's called kapara. And because it's not being given to Hashem, it's not being given to the Beis Hamikdash, and therefore maybe the person will not take it seriously. And you should have to take a mashkin. But on the other hand, Ravachu went back. Since at the end he did not sin, it's only that he didn't do the damage. His property did the damage, his ox did the damage, which is taka, something for which the Torah obligates the owner. But since he didn't do it, he doesn't feel this to be something so serious. should be taken. I'm sorry. 
turning out to the third line and the middle wide lines. He doesn't take it so seriously. So these were, this was the second question that Rav Acha asked to Rav Nachman. So Amarei, Rav Nachman tells Rav Acha, Oi Shafkan, let me be. That Istagar Bekamaisa, you already silenced me with your first question. Let me think first about the first question, to which the answer I don't yet know, before I'll focus on the second question. And the Gemara leaves both these questions open. The story is being brought to show you the greatness of Rav Achor Bayakov, how he had a question that, so to say, stumped, at least temporarily, the great Rav Nachman. Continues the Gemara. Tanarabanon, we learned the following in Abraisa. Sha'oloi becheskas tam, if a borrower borrows an ox. And the presu- he pre-assumed that the ox that he was now borrowing was a tam. It's not a goring ox. However, the truth was, venimsa muad. It actually was a muad. And now that it was under the, the domain of the borrower, it did damage. And the damage of, as we spoke out many times, when one is a guardian, when one is a custodian, they are obligated to pay if whatever they were watching or borrowing did damage. So he's high to pay. But the borrower didn't know the animal is a mud. On the other hand, the party who got damaged should get paid, Nezek Shalim, because a muad is that which damaged. So says the Baraisa like this, that that the owners who didn't notify the borrower that the animal is a muad, they have to pay for half a damage, and the shoyal, who regardless would have to pay at least Chatzinezek, because even if, even if the animal would have been a tam, and as Rashi says, whenever a person borrows an animal, he has to accept that. You're borrowing an animal, you should know that if this animal, which, which is not yours, but which is now under your possession, does damage, you have to pay chatzinezek. So he pays the chatzinezek. Now, who are the base hashoil? Continues another case in the Braisa. If the animal was given to the borrower when it was a tam, it became a muad while it was under the the domain of the borrower. And obviously, now the borrower has to pay Nezek Shalim for all the damage that it did. But now, now he returns the animal back to the owner. He returned that which he borrowed. And now that the owner has it back, the animal gores again, says the Nezek, that the owners only have to pay Nezek. And the Shoyal is Potter Miklum, he doesn't have to pay anything. Explains Rashi that the Seifa of the Braisa appears to go by the opinion that when, a per, when the animal changes jurisdictions, the din will be that the animal reverts back to its original status of it being a tam. And this is something that appears to contradict the first part of the Braisa. Because if we say that when an animal changes its jurisdiction, even if it wasn't muad, it goes back to being a tam, what's the whole first case of the Braisa? That, uh, that the Shoyal thought the animal is a, a tam, but really it was a muad. Why is it a muad? It left the jurisdiction of the owner, and now it went under the jurisdiction of the borrower, so it appears that the Seifa and the Reisa contradict each other, and we'll learn about this contradiction and how we resolve it in Mem. Ahmed Bey is Emirates Hashem in this year. So this ended the second end of the Braise.
Says the Gemara Amar Mar, quoting the first din, that that if a person borrows an animal, under the assumption that the animal is a tam, but really, even in Samuad, it turns out that the animal was already a muad, and then the animal damaged, said the Braisa, that and the shoyal has to pay chatzinezek. As we explained, anyways, every shoyal undertakes paying damage if the animal does damage. So that he has to pay. The chatzinezek he'll have to pay. And the other half the nezek he doesn't have to pay. Because he never knew that the animal was a muad. The owners have to pay the other chatzinezek. Asks the Gemara Amai, why is the borrower liable to pay even the half? Why can't the borrower tell the owner, I borrowed an ox. Now that it turned out that the animal wasn't stam an ox, it was a muad of a goring ox, so I never wanted to borrow a lion, meaning an aggressive animal. I never would have borrowed the animal. So Amarav, Rav answers, in the case of the Braisa must be speaking, we have to qualify it, it's only kishihikr nakhon. It was, he saw that it's an aggressive animal. Now yeah, he, he didn't think it's a muat, but he knew it's an aggressive tam. So he cannot come and say, I only wanted a calm animal, and now it turns out it's a muad. It's not what I thought. No, you know it's aggressive. But still, the Gemara is not happy. Because the name Olay let the borrower tell the owner, Tam She'ili, even though the animal was aggressive, but I thought it was an aggressive Tam. Muad Loi She'ili, I never borrowed an aggressive Muad. Which means, think about it, there is a lot more possibility that an aggressive Muad will do damage than an aggressive Tam. An aggressive tam is more likely to do damage than a non-aggressive tam. But still, it's not, had I known, I never would have borrowed it. Mishum the Amalei, to which the Gemara answers that the owner tells the borrower, true, you needed to know that it's aggressive. And if not for that, he'll get out of all payment. But now that you knew it's aggressive, safe, safe, at the end of the day, if the animal would have been what you thought, palganiska bayishlumi. Half you would have to pay. You knew it's aggressive. You should have watched over it, which you didn't. Now, what is the consequence of it? Based on your false assumption, you thought it's a tam. Okay, it's on me. The owner should have told him. The owner loses. But the owner doesn't lose everything. Because you would have paid for half. You have to still pay that half as you would have had to pay regardless, even if the animal is a tam. Still, the Gemara is not happy. The name Malay. Why can't the borrower tell the owner? Hold on. Even though the animal as a tam, I am responsible for chatzinezek. But how would that work? Being that chatzinezek gets paid migufay, the animal belongs to the owner. So the, the payment wouldn't have come out directly from me. The animal would have been paid from the goof of the mazik, from the goof of the shoir. But one second, Ataka, what would have happened? What happens later would be, when there's a lender and a borrower, that the chatzineza gets paid migufai. But then the lender can demand that value from the borrower, which is what the Gemara says. Mishum da amalei, because the owner tells the borrower, yes, if the animal would have been a tam, then you wouldn't have needed to pay directly. But at the end of the day, after they would have taken the money from the goof of my animal, would you not have to compensate me for the chatzinezek? The money you would owe anyway. 
So pay it to me, I'll pay it to him. Pay it directly to him. The Braisa says the, the, that the Shoyal pays it directly to the Nizr. But the Gemara is still not happy. The name Olay, why can't the borrower will tell the owner to make the Nafnem on the base? That e tam hava. If the animal would have been a tam, there would have been a option for me, with my knowledge, to completely exempt myself. Ah, how would that happen? Hava maidino omiftarino. I would have immediately notified Bezdin that my animal or the animal that I borrowed did a the nezek of a tam. And now we go back to a machlekes that we learned on Aftezvav. A machlekes between Afuna Bereidit of Yeshua that says palga niska kenasa. And there's a rule that if we view the payment of tam, chatzin nezek, as a knas, moide beknas pater. So I would have been moide and I would have been pater. And furthermore, and says the Gemara asking, and even according to the Manda Amar, which was Rav Papa, which is Rav Papa, that Pal Ganiska is Mamoina, and if we view it as a monetary compensation, so then being Maida wouldn't get him off the hook, but still there was another thing that he could have done, which would have gotten him fully off the hook. Nay why can't the borrower tell the owner that Itamu Hava Ma'arikna Leila Agama? I would have hid the animal in a swamp. What does that mean? Since the payment of Tam is Migufai, had the borrower taken the animal to a swamp and shechted the animal and eaten the animal, at least used up all of the animal, so then the Nizak would not have gotten anything. So since there is a possibility for him getting off the hook of paying the Nizak, why am I have to? Why why will I have to pay now? Because and only because the animal is a mort, and that is information that you should have told me. Had you told it to me, in other words, I never would have borrowed the animal. So you're telling me, but who cares? You have to pay chatzin azek anyway. So he says, no. If the animal would have been a tam, there is a way for me to get out from all payment. Either moida, that that is if chatzin is knasa, and if chatzin is mamaina then you have this option, which is strange, but we're saying there's an option for him to quickly run away and hide the animal, and the Nizik will never find the animal. So again, the Gemara has to further qualify that the first case of the Braisa isn't only when the borrower knew that the animal was an aggressive animal, and he thought it's an aggressive tam, but he needed to know that it's aggressive. Here we're adding another qualification that the rule of the Braiso only makes sense. That right after the animal did damage, Bezdin immediately became aware of it, and Bezdin grabbed the animal. Ah, so Sai, if he's, is, if he's claiming, I would have gotten off because I would have been Maida, and Maida Beknas Pater. Maidebeknaspater is only when Bezdin doesn't know that the animal did damage. If Bezdin right away sees this animal, then Maidebeknas wouldn't help you. And the same thing, you cannot claim that you would have hidden the animal in a swamp. Bezdin took it. Upa, says the Gemara, are you telling me that the first case of the Braisa will only work if Aleph, like we mentioned, the borrower knew that the animal was aggressive. And here the Ikid, that Bezdin right away sees the animal, 
if bathed and seized the animal, now I have an opposite question. Why do the owners have to even pay their half? Why can't the owner now have a complaint against the borrower? Name a lay, let the owner tell the borrower, you delivered my ox. In other words, you allowed Bezdin to seize my ox. And who grabbed it? To whom did you deliver it to? Beyond the man in the hands of those, which is the Bezdin, with those people who I cannot litigate with. In other words, the fact that you allowed Bezdin to seize the animal without preventing them to do it, that's on you. And it's such an on you, you are so guilty of that, that I don't even want to have to pay my half an Ezek. Maybe you should pay all the Nezek to the, to, the, to, the, to, the, to the damaged party. Answers the Gemara, Mishum the Amarle, because the borrower tells the owner that e ahadarteni halach, one second. What's your complaint against me? That I, so to say, delivered the animal to Bezdin, but what should I have done? The borrower tells the owner, I don't owe you to hide the animal. What I owe you is the animal itself. And had I returned the animal to you, is lav minach habashakli lay? Would he not take the nezek shalom from you? He would have. So at least your half you have to pay. Emes, my half I have to pay as we explained. But you can't have a taina that I, so to say, delivered it to Bezdin. I owe the animal to you. You owe the animal to the nezek. So it's as if I gave it, I make believe I gave it to you. And therefore you pay a half a damage. But still, asks the Gemara, this is amazing, back and forth. The name Olay, why can't the owner again tell the borrower that if you would have done what you need to do, which is you, the borrower, owed the animal to me, the owner. And you should have delivered it to me, not delivered it to Bezdin, even though really he didn't deliver it to Bezdin. But he allowed Bezdin to seize it. So the owner is wording it, you gave it to Bezdin. I cannot litigate with Bezdin. You should have given it to me. And if you would have given it to me, Gavaldik, the same thing we said before, that the borrower would, would have been able to hide it in a swamp, the, the, the owner says, I would have hidden it in a swamp. Now one second, this doesn't work here. Because the borrower thought the animal is a tam. And the payment of the tam is only migufai. And if the gufai disappears, then the nizah can demand payment. The owner, now the Gemara is saying, cannot say if you would have given it to me, I would have hidden it in the swamp. Bishum the Amr lay, because the borrower tells the owner, no, 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 you knew the animal is a muad. And if the animal is a muad, if you hide the animal, who cares? The nizah gets paid minho aliyah. The payment doesn't have to come from the animal. Soif, soif, lav ma'aliyah, have a mishtalmei. Yeah, you would hide the animal, the nizak would get, would see some other item that belongs to you. So the Gemara now comes with a final question. Well, ha this response that the borrower has to the owner, through which the borrower, taka, only has to pay half, and the owner has to pay the other half, is all based on the fact that the owner could not have exempted himself, so he doesn't have a taina against the borrower for allowing Bezdin to, to seize it. That's only true if the owner has some other thing of value aside of the ox. However, in the rear case, and the only thing that he owns is the ox. So why doesn't the owner have a real taina to the borrower? What do you mean the Bezdin seized it? You should have given it back to me. And if you would have given it back to me, I would have hit it. And the Nizik never would have gotten a penny from me. So you caused me to have to pay. I don't want to pay. You pay. 
Michael Amemar answers the Gemara Mishum the Amar because the borrower tells the owner that you have to understand the following that Kehecha the Nishtabadna Lididach. The whole question is based on the premise that I should have delivered it to you, the owner. Not true, says the Gemara. Why? Because really, theoretically, I owe the animal to you, Emes, because the animal belongs to you. But now that the animal did damage and you owe money to the damaged party, be it only Chatzinezik, but you owe money to the damaged party, Hachinami Mishtabadna, I owe money to the damaged party. In other words, the concept which is called Shibuda de Rabnason, Mid Rabnason. The tiny we learned Rabnason Omar. Rabnason says, Minayin, how do we know? one who has a claim against this fellow. And Bachmana. And Bachavere Bachavere. Knows Ruven owes Shimon one hundred dollars. And Shimon owns Levi one hundred dollars. So says Rabnasan, do you know to whom Ruven owes money? Not to Shimon. He owes the money to Levi. Like in our case. The ox really belongs to the owner. But since the owner owes Chatzinezek, because he didn't notify the borrower that the animal is a muad to the damaged party. So the borrower tells the owner, I sh- should have delivered the, a- the animal to you, and you have a taina that had that happen, since you don't have anything other than the animal, you would have gotten away without paying anything. I owe it to you, but you owe it to the nizik. I have the right to deliver it to the nizik. And by the way, that includes Bezdin, who is now representing the nizik. And, uh, and from where did Rav Nassim learn his din? that Reuven, so to say, halachically owes the money to Levi. In our case, the borrower, after the damage happens, owes the ox straight to the Nizak. That you go straight from Reuven to Levi. Talmud Leimer, and we learned this a few times recently, there's a Pasuk in Pashas Nasai that speaks about a Ganif that after, who, after he does his act of thievery, he, th- he steals, the owner tells the Ganif, give me back that which you stole. And the Ganov takes an oath, swearing that I didn't take anything of yours. And then when the person, when the Ganov, the Yid, does tshuva, so the then is, he has to pay to the person from whom he is guilty to, he has to not only give back the item itself, but there's a penalty, he has to add a halachic fifth, and he has to bring a carbon asham gazelis. Now, the Pasuk uses the words in Parshas Nasai, quoting here, the Nasan, that the one who took the false oath has to give the penalty, La'asher Asham Loi, to whom he is guilty. And as we spoke out the other time, that Rab Nasan asks, why didn't the Pasuk say, La'asher Noishaloi, to whom, to whom, to the one who has a claim against him. So he learns that in a scenario where the person from whom he stole, if that person owes someone else money, so the Ganaf here can pay it directly to that person. In other words, to whom the money ultimately has to go to, that's to whom you give it to directly. Okay, so now we clarified the first din of the Braisa. We tackle limited it. It has to be speaking about a case where the animal was, a, was, was apparently an aggressive animal. With the other details that we learned over here, bottom line was, the owner who didn't impart all the info has to pay chatzinezek, but the chatzinezek that he anyways would have had to pay because of the tam, that is something that the borrower has to pay to the damaged party. And as we spoke it out, the money comes migufay, but he has to compensate for it. 
Now, the Gemara quotes the second half of the Braisom, that who are the base shoyel if the animal was given to the borrower as a tam? But while it was in the house of the shoyel, it became a muad, and then, then the borrower returned it to the lender, and now that it's back under the care of the lender, the animal gourd again, says the Braisa, only pei and the shoyel was spotted miklum. Don't forget, now it wasn't in the under the responsibility of the shoyel. End of Braisa. Asks the Gemara, as we spoke out when we learned the Braisa and that Seifah, that the logic for which the Braisa says that the owner only pays Chatzinezek is predicated on the rule that Rishus Mishana, as we explained, when it goes away from one jurisdiction and it goes into a new jurisdiction, the animal reverts back to being a tam, it's a machlekes tanoim, this b'raisa evidently holds like the opinion, rishus meshana. But if that's the case, you have a contradiction in the b'raisa, because today, what was the whole issue? That the animal was a muad. But the owner didn't tell it to the borrower. Who cares? The moment he gave it to the borrower, now that it's under a new jurisdiction, because who's responsible for the animal now? Only the borrower. So now it should revert back to a tam regardless. The fact that, yeah, that the nizza gets paid all of the damage. It's only that the borrower pays half, the owner pays the other half. Reisha, Rishus, Eina, Mishana, you have a contradiction in the Braisa. And for that, Omar Tavra, you have a stira. Or Tavra means you broke the Braisa. Meaning, Misha, Shanazu, Shanazu. Really, the first part of the Braisa and the second part of the Braisa were said by different Tanoim. The Braisa put it together. But it's not from the same opinion. It's either the Reisha or the Seif. However, Rabbah doesn't say that. Rabbah Omar, let's start with the beginning. That from the Reisha, as we pointed out, it's clear that the author of the Braisa holds that the Rishus ain't a Mishana. So if that's the case, let's continue reading the Braisa that even in the Seif Nami, Rishus ain't a Mishana. Opa, but if that's the case, the Seif Hainotama, when he gives it back to the owner, when he gives it back to the owner, the owner only has to pay Chatzinezek Mishum Do Amar because the owner tells the borrower Laf Kol Keminoch Adat You don't have the power to make my ox into a moyet, into a muad. In other words, had the ox been under me, under the owner, I never would have allowed the ox to become a muad. So it's not right that you don't even own the animal. And you didn't do what you needed to do, you didn't watch the animal. You don't have the right, so to say, and therefore the halacha will be that in such a case, as far as you are concerned, that means when the animal remains under the guardianship of the shoyel and it continuously does damage, yes, the shoyel has to pay from mu'ad on nezek shalim. But when it goes back to the owner, the owner says, as far as I am concerned, you never had the power for me to make me into a owner of a muad, which also fits into the ending words of the Braisa. The Braisa says in the Seifa that the owner pays Chatzinezek and the Shoyal pays nothing. Why would we have a Havamina that the Shoyal will pay? Ah, because that's the whole point, that the Nizak can tell the Shoyal, okay, the Mazik, the owner, is claiming that he never allowed the animal to become into a muad, all right, but at least you who did, you pay me the other half. So the Braisa has to tell you a Chiddush. No, nevertheless, the Shoyal was not the one that was negligent here, and therefore he pays nothing. But that's the way 
Rabbah explains the Braisa that everyone holds that the Rishus now Rav Papa says the opposite. That from the Seifah, he doesn't accept this logic of Rabba. doesn't matter what do you mean, did you have the right or not. The animal became a muad. And if the animal became a muad, then full nezek has to be paid. We can word it like this. And even if the owner wouldn't be, have to be the one paying all of it, the shayl should be the one paying the other half. So it must be that we hold Rishos Mishana. Now that it goes back to the guardianship of the owner, it refers back to Atam. But now the question is on the Reisha. Reisha nami mirushus mishano. Answers Rav Papa. Reisha hana taima. Mishum dechol makam shohoyleich. What happened in the Reisha? It belongs to an owner. And the owner didn't sell it. The owner lent it. Now even though the borrower is responsible for the damage that the animal does while it is in his home, under his jurisdiction, it never left the jurisdiction of the owner. It remains to some degree under the jurisdiction of the original owner. And as we spoke out in the previous year, that according to Rabbi Kiva, one can ask, if you say, Rabbi Kiva holds that every time a Thomas Mazik, that the Nizak becomes a partner in the animal. So how can an animal ever become a Muad? It's constantly getting new owners. And we, we explain that we don't look at it that way. Rishus Mashana means that if it fully leaves the domain of one, then it reverts back. When the owner lends it to a borrower, it never fully left the domain of the owner. So when it goes to the borrower, if it was a muad by the owner, it remains a muad by the borrower. It wasn't a real shinoi reshus. However, when it becomes a muad, while the base shoyal, when the shoyal gives it back to the owner, the shame of the shoyal fully leaves the animal. It totally left the jurisdiction of the shoyal, Rishus, Mishana, which is how he explains the Sefer, beautiful. Continues the Gemara quoting from the Mishnah. The Mishnah says that shoyal ho'itztadin, that if an animal was trained to, uh, for whatever reason, for sports, if you call that a sport, to go and fight against a human being, and if it ended up killing a person, because a person was instigating it, trying to kill it, the din is, as the Mishnah, Enoi, Chay of Misa, the halacha, that an animal that kills a human being, Sokoil Yisokoil, does not apply to this animal, because the Torah says the words, Kihigach, Veloi Sheigachu, not an animal that was made to gore. So, so the question was asked in Yeshiva, Mahul Gabim We know there is a rule, that an animal that killed can never be offered on the, on the Mizbeach, would we extend that halacha to this animal as well? Says the Gemara, Machlekes, Rav Shmuel. Rav says the animal is kosher, Gabim Mizbeach. Shmuel says, Pasa. Rav says the animal is kosher because Anasu. Rav understands the reason why an animal that killed a human being cannot be offered on the Mizbeach. That's because there is a certain rishus in the animal. However, here, you can't blame the animal. The animal was being, uh, so to say, forced to fight for its life. So it didn't, it's, it's not a bad animal, so to say. It's kashal gavim izbeach. Shmuel understands that the reason why an animal that killed cannot, be, cannot go on the altar, it's not because the animal is a bad animal. It's because if something as bad as murder happened through the animal, we don't want to use that animal in mizbeach. It's not about him being guilty or innocent. The fact is that through the animal, the human being got killed. 
possible because Harei nevad by Aveda and Aveda was done through the animal. So asks the Gemara, there's a Kasha, there's a Braisa, which will be a question against Shmuel. The Braisa says, in the beginning of Parshas Vayikra, Odom, Kiyakriv, Mikem, Karban Lashem. And then the Torah enumerates from what do we bring Karbanois? Min HaBehema, Min HaBakar, so the word min from, as Rashi tells us, is an exclusionary word. Min ha means from cattle, from behema is a very generic word. It includes both cattle and sheep and, and, sheep and goats. But min ha-behema, v'loi kol behema. Only from the animals, not all animals. What does it exclude? So the min by the behema says the b'raisa, lo'hoitzi es ha-reveya ve'es ha-nirva. An animal that was roiveya, that means it, it sodomized a human being, he was active. And nirva means an animal that was sodomized. Whether it was reveya or nirva, it's no longer qualified to go on the mizbeya. Min habakar, again min, min is to exclude. Lohoitzi yes hanevar, it comes to exclude any animal that was used in idol worship. Min Hatsoin, really the Pasuk says U Min Hatsoin. We'll get to the Vav in a moment. Just from the Mem Min Hatsoin, that excludes animals that were only designated for Avedazara, even though they were not yet used in idol worship. They are already disqualified from the Mizbech. And now the Vav U Min Hatsoin concludes the Braitzah. If an animal gored a person, now Rashi, by the way, brings over here a very important point. An animal that was either Reveya or Nirva, that was involved in bestiality, or an animal that is Negeyach, has to be put to death. So why do we have to exclude them from the Mizbeyach? If you get hold of them to bring them to the Mizbeyach, then you should kill them. When it comes to the din of a muad killing Kaifer, we always explain, yeah, the animal should have been killed after the first time, but Beisden did not get hold of it. But here, if you have to tell us, don't bring it on the altar, if you got hold of it to bring it on the altar, you have to kill it. So Rashi says, you know when you kill an animal? When there were two Adam. When you don't have two Adam that the animal was Reveya or Nirva, or it was an animal that killed another, then you can't kill it. The question is, can you put it on the Mizbeach? And here the Parsha teaches you from the Min, Min, Umin, that not. Says Omar Rabbi Shimon, asked Rabbi Shimon, in after the Torah already revealed by an exclusionary word, excluding the animal that does sarami, if in nemar negeach, as Rashi says, Harei, I'm reading Rashi inside, Shneim Shavin Ba'aveira Le'ingen Skila Mamakem Edem, since the Torah says that if there's Edem, both for Reveya and or for Negicha, the animal has to be put to death. So why wouldn't we learn one from the other? Answers Reb Shimon, Mipnei Sheyesh Bereveya She'ein Bernegeach. You have a certain stringency in Reveya that you don't find by Negeach. And likewise in the reverse, and had the Torah only revealed that one of them is not kosher lemizbeach, I would have said, it is because of its unique stringency why it's also not good legave mizbeach. So the Torah needed to reveal us by both. What is the chumrah that one has over the other? Explains Rabbi Shimon. In other words, reveya means the animal was active, and a nirva means an animal who was sodomized. That means it was not necessarily done, it, it was passive. It was not something that it did. And the Torah equates them equally. 
that they are both high of Misa. So that's a Chumrah. When it comes to Negeach, which is Mamash the din of our Mishnah. Why did our Mishnah teach us that even though if an animal kills, suckle yisakal hashar, if the animal was instigated to kill, and the animal actually actively kills, you don't kill it, the Mishnah said. So it's, we don't equate to oynes and if it was coerced, then it's off the hook. That's the Chumrah by Reveya. And that Abshimen adds, Negeach has another Chumrah, which is Mishalom Kaifer. But Reveya, if an animal sodomizes a person, there is no kaifer payment. So there is a chumra of kaifer by negicha. So Lefika concludes Rab Shimon, and of Braisa. Now asks the Gemara again, Shmuel. Shmuel was the one that says that an animal that was coerced to kill is not puzzle. It's not kosher to be put on the Mizbeach. Ketone mihas, at the end of the day, it says in the Braiso, Reveya osabai oynes kerotsoin, en noigeach loy osabai oynes kerotsoin, lemai hilchase lav lekarben. When the Braiso says that we don't equate oynes kerotsoin, they are different, does this not also mean the negeach to a carbon? That an animal that was negeach berotsoin is not kosher. An animal that was negeach only ba'oynes, maybe, l'chura, that's what the Braith is saying, is even kosher l'karmen. Kasher again Shmuel. Says the Gemara, loy, no. The Braith only means l'ktolom. It only means that which the Mishnah explicitly said, and hachinami mistaben, and I'll prove it to you. Because the e omrat l'karbon, if the Braith is also referring to the the concept of carbon and telling you that an animal that killed Bo'inus is kosher le carbon. when the words that Rab Shimon used was Noigeach loy osaboy oinus kerotzin. Loy osaboy, who was loy osaboy? The Torah was loy osaboy. Where in the Torah do you have anything referring to carbon? You don't have it. If the Bryce is only referring to the Negicha, Chayev Misa, as we mentioned when we spoke to Mishnah, the Mishnah mentions the Pasuk. The Torah said, Ki yikach, and as we learned, Veloi Shiyagichu. So that is Taka words that the Torah uses that implies only willingly, and not when it was coerced. The Torah never mentions anything that alludes to Karbanis, which is why you have a Machlekes Amaroim, Rav and Shmuel. So El Alav, the Bryce's Taka, only speaking to that which the Torah hints to, which is Liktala. So Shmuel is not refuted. Now that we quoted this Bryce, when the Rav Shimon was speaking about the Chumrah, the stringency that we find by Neigeach, over Reveya. So we learned in the Braith, so Negeach, Mashalom Esakaifer, and Reveya, if an animal sodomizes a person, Eina Mashalom Esakaifer, Opa, asks the Gemara, Hey Chidami, what are you talking about? Ilema the Rav of Ekatla, why would you even think that there is a Chiyuv of Kaifer, to which the trade exempts the owner? If we're speaking about an animal that, while sodomizing a person, killed that person, then Taka, why would you not have to pay Kaifer? Mali katla bikarna, mali katna If the animal killed the human being, you taka should have to pay kaifer if the animal is a mut. When, when is there no kaifer? The rabba v'loi katla, it's speaking about an animal that only committed the act of bestiality, but it didn't kill that person. So hai d'loi meshalom kaifer. How can you say that, ah, there's a chumrah, that by killing there is kaifer, and by revia there's no kaifer. In other words, 
something is exempted, the word exemption can only be used when there is at least a havamina for there to be an obligation. And here there's a leniency, you're exempted thereof. If an animal doesn't kill, there is never kaifer. The whole concept of kaifer is only connected to killing. You cannot consider this a chumra over revia. So answers the Gemara Amar Abayya, Yes, the animal did not kill directly. Whoopa, but why would we even think that there is a chi of kaifer? And we're saying that there is a leniency, that there is an exemption. Because the asuya We're speaking about a case where an animal sodomized, uh, there was an act of bestiality between an animal, let's say, and a woman. And she was not coerced. She was a willing participant. And there were Adam. And they brought her to Bezdin. And for that, Bezdin killed her. So she was ultimately caused to die because of an action that involved the ox. So Mao, the tamer, you would have thought, Tafnem Aleph, Kimam the Kotli Dummy, that it, being it was the ox that, so to say, brought about her death, that, the, that there should be a chiv on the owner of the ox to pay kaifer, and that is the exemption that we say not. Oh, Gavaldik. Komash Molon, that the owner is exempt. Rava gives a different answer. That Lo'ilam, the Braise, speaking about a case, the Rava Vikotla, that an animal through the act of bestiality killed a person. Ah, so what was your question? Why should there be an exemption of kaifer? Madli katla bekarno, the Bach changes not kadaim karno, madli katla So here says Rava Gavaldik that keren, keren, which is defined by kavonosoy lahazik, if an animal intended to inflict injury, and if the injury is death, there is where the Torah says there's a chiv of kaifer. But hi, if the kavana of the animal in the case of Rava was lahanos atzmaihu, so it's a tulda the shame. It's not bechlal in the category of keren. And Rava holds that if it's not in the category of keren, there's never going to be a chiyuv of koifer. Koifer is uniquely connected to keren. Obviously, Abaya that gave the answer that Rava Voloi Katla will hold, that if it was the Rava Vekatla, then there is a Chiyuv of Kaifer. So says the Gemara Bamai Pligi, what is their Machlaikas? Beregel Shol Darsa Al Gabitinok Bechatzaran Izok. Another, you know, Shein Veregel we always put together. And we, Lagut Chazara, that Shein Veregel's obligation is only when it happened Bechatzaran Izok. What were to happen if an animal is walking the way an animal normally walks, and it, God forbid, trampled on a child Bechatzaran Izok? In other words, in a place where there is a chiyuv on regal, but here it didn't damage someone else's property, there it killed. Abaya holds that kaifer is not uniquely connected to keren. So Abaya holds mishalom kaifer. And Rava, who connects kaifer, dafke to keren, which is why he holds that Rava vekatla, you don't pay, le mishalom kaifer. Now, going back to the machlekes of Rav and Shmuel, we couldn't refute Shmuel, but the Gebarah says, but tanyin kavasadarav. But there is a b'raisa that says that an animal that was used in these stadiums and that ended up killing people, that animal is good even for a carbon. It says in a b'raisa, shoyr ho'itztadin, e'ino chayev miso, and v'koshir l'gavim izbeyach. And why is that? Says the b'raisa, mipnei shohu kemo'usa, because it was forced to kill. It wasn't something that it did because of its rishus, which is the only reason, the way we explained, why an animal won't be kosher legabei hamizbeach, and the animal is kosher legabei hamizbeach, emir tzashem, to be continued.